I'm being tested right now because my phone fell. But he's still God on the mountain. He's still God in the valley. And when things go wrong, the thing about it, what is happening these days, well, this is the ministry of signs and wonders. I'm speaking things and things happen. I'm speaking and it happens. So what I'm trying to say to you, that there are times when you're up on the mountain, your finances are right, everything is going well, you, you, you're not, not sick, no one is dead in your family, and you're joy, 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 joy. Well, what happens when you come in that valley when things go wrong? But he will make them right. Because he wants you to know today that he is the God of the good times. He's still God of the bad times. The God of the day is still God in the night. So some things are happening around us. We need to know that there has to be a knowing on the inside. He's still the God who said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And listen, you're my family. So when I say this is a, this is a ministry of science and wonders, I ministered some things yesterday. And the things, some of the things I ministered, when I said there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Oh, well, I walked the word. I lived the word. And the word, I'm being tested of the word. So before the end of the day, family of God, people of God, all of a sudden, my teeth, three of them, which were porcelain partials that is implanted in the gum, just decide to come out, to fall out. The beautiful thing is you can laugh, but God didn't let me swallow them. But he was showing, he was testing, he was showing, listen, nothing lasts forever. And I could remove something, but I could put it back. But I'm still God on the mountain. I'm still God in the valley. And you can still rejoice. Though those three teeth are missing, there's nothing wrong with them because the dental, the dentist will implant them back into the gums. And thank God for teeth. <laughs> but thank God for voice. And thank God for joy. Because I don't sound like I'm unhappy, depressed. I'm still praising God because he's still the God on the mountain. He's still the God in the valley. So when things go wrong, he'll make it right. I'm speaking to some people today because sometimes you feel like God has abandoned you. No, he has not. He's right there with you. And he is still God in the night. Blessed be the name of the Lord Jesus. And so this is time to blow the trumpet in Zion. 
They rush on the city, they run on the wall. Great is his army that carries out his word. They rush on the city, they run on the wall. Great is his army that carries out his word. The Lord utters his voice before his army. The Lord utters his voice before his army. They rush on the city, they run on the wall. Great is his army that carries out his word. They rush on the city, they run on the wall. Great is his army that carries out his word. The Lord utters his voice before his army. The Lord utters his voice before his army. Blow the trumpet in Zion, Zion. Spread the alarm on the holy mountain. Blow the trumpet in Zion, Zion. Sound the alarm. Blow the trumpet in Zion, Zion. Sound the alarm in my holy mountain. Blow the trumpet in Zion, Zion. Sound the alarm. It's time to blow the trumpet. It's time to sound the alarm. And yes, God gave me the word. We are in the valley of decision. But we have to come to that moment where we have to make a decision. Because he's speaking. Yes, life is easy, so easy when you're up on the mountain. But you have to come down in the valley and you have to make a decision. So our scripture is in Joel. Joel chapter 2 verses 1 to verse 11 it speak an army of locusts i'm sure a couple of months ago we all have heard about all those locusts overseas millions and millions of locusts this is the day of the lord truly truly blow the trumpet in zion sound the alarm on my holy hill let all who live in the land tremble for the day of the lord is coming it is close at hand a day of darkness and gloom a day of clouds and blackness like dawn spreading across the mountains a large and mighty army comes such as never was of old nor ever will be in ages to come before them fire devours Behind them a flame blazes. Before them the land is like the Garden of Eden. Behind them a desert waste. Nothing escapes them. They have the appearance of horses. They gallop along like cavalry. With a noise like that of chariots. They leap over the mountain tops. Like a crackling fire consuming stubble. Like a mighty army drawn up for battle. At the sight of them nations are in anguish. Every face turns pale. 
They charge like warriors. They scale walls like soldiers. They all march in line, not swerving from their course. They do not jostle each other. Each marches straight ahead. They plunge through defenses without breaking ranks. They rush upon the city. They run along the wall. They climb into the houses like thieves. They enter through the windows. Before them, the earth shakes. The sky trembles. The sun and moon are darkened and the stars no longer shine. The Lord thunders at the head of his army. His forces are beyond number and mightier those who obey his command. The day of the Lord is great. It is dreadful. Who can endure it? All these murders and all these killings and all the things with the children. It's nothing new under the sun if you go back to the word of God. Rachel was weeping for her children and couldn't be comforted. But God says that know that your children will come back from the land of the enemy. So, judgment is on the land. You call it what it is, I'm calling it what it really is. God is speaking. He's calling us to repentance. He's still blowing the trumpet. Blowing the trumpet, an army of locusts we talk about. Joel was still describing the devastating effects of the locust plague. The locust was a plague, just like this pandemic, COVID-19 is a plague. The alarm showed that the crisis was at hand. However, Joel implied that the locust plague would be only the forerunner of an even greater crisis if the people didn't turn from their sins. You see what's going on? This is Bible. God is speaking. He's showing you what happened then. He's showing you what's happening now. Verse 3 talks about the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden was Adam and Eve's first home. That's in Genesis 2 and 8. Known for its beauty. Here it is used to describe the beauty of the land prior to the devastation. You look in some countries and you see the devastation, but you saw it before. Beautiful. Verse 12 and 13 says, God told the people to turn to him while there was still time. Destruction would soon be upon them. God is still speaking to us, asking us to turn to him while it is still time. Because destruction is here. Destruction would soon be upon them. Time is also running out for us. Time is running us out for us. Because we don't know when our lives will end. We should trust and obey God now while we can. Don't let anything hold you back from turning to him. Anything. Don't let anything. Any children, any wife, husband, anything. Verse 13, deep remorse was often shown by tearing or rending or tearing one's clothes. But God didn't want an outward display of penitence without true inward repentance. You could tear your clothes off as much as you want to. He wanted a renting of your heart. 
First Samuel chapter 16 verse 7 says, First Samuel chapter 16, First Samuel chapter 16 and verse 7 says, Verse 7 says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. It's a heart change. Not a tearing of the clothes. Not of what you do outwardly. Be sure your attitude toward God is correct, not just your outward actions. Verse 18. Verse 18. The Lord answers. We read Joel chapter 2. We, we read Joel chapter 2 about the locusts, the, warn, the warning of the day of the Lord. And so the Lord answers, he answers, he answers. From verse 18, he answers. Then the Lord will be jealous See what 17 says, let the priest who minister before the all, the, before the Lord weep between the porch, the temple, porch, and the altar. We, I don't think we had read that. We're talking about rending your heart. So let me read the scripture. From verse 12. To verse 17. Rending your heart. Even now declares the Lord. Return to me with all your heart. With fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart. And not your garments. Return to the Lord your God. For he is gracious and compassionate. Slow to anger and abounding in love. And he relents from sending calamity doesn't want to send calamity who knows he may turn and have pity and leave behind a blessing grain offerings and drink offerings for the Lord your God blow the trumpet in Zion declare a holy fast call a sacred assembly it's time for the people to fast and pray gather the people consecrate the assembly Bring together the elders, gather the children, those nursing at the breast. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bridal chamber. Let the priests who minister before the Lord weep between the temple porch and the altar. Let them say, spare your people, O Lord. Do not make your inheritance an object of scorn, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the peoples, where is their God? What is happening to the ministers? 
We need to not just have a service. We need to get together and pray. Even if they can't all come in the building, because it's not safe for them to be in the building. But you can call and tell them we're going to pray such and such a time. Wherever you are, get together and pray. It's time to cry out to God. And he will answer and have mercy. So I read from verse 12, in Joel 2, verse 12, to verse 17. And the Lord answers. Verse 18, then the Lord will be jealous for his land and take pity on his people. Verse 19, the Lord will reply to them, I am sending you grain, new wine and oil, enough to satisfy you fully. Never again will I make you an object of scorn to the nations. I will drive the northern army far from you, pushing it into a parched and barren land with its front columns going into the eastern sea and those in the rear into the western sea. And its stench will go up, its smell will rise. Surely he has done great things. Be not afraid, O land. Be glad and rejoice. Surely the Lord has done great things. Be not afraid, O wild animals, for the open pastures are becoming green. The trees are bearing their fruit. The fig tree and the vine yield their riches. Be glad, O people of Zion. Rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the autumn rains in righteousness. He sends you abundant showers both autumn and spring rains as of before. The threshing floors will be filled with grain. The vats will overflow with new wine and oil. I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten, the great locusts and the young locusts, the other locusts and the locust swarm, my great army that I sent among you. You will have plenty to eat until you are full, and you will praise the name of the Lord your God who has worked wonders for you. Never again will my people be shamed. Then you will know that I am in Israel, that I am the Lord your God, and that there is no other. Never again will my people be ashamed. But we have to repent. We have to pray. We have to cry out for God's mercy, and he will answer us. Verse 18. Joel reached a turning point in his prophecy, moving from prophesying about an outpouring of God's judgment to prophesying about an outpouring of God's forgiveness and blessing. That's when the people repented. But this would come only if the people began to live as God wanted them to, giving up their sins. Where there is repentance, then there is hope. This section of the book feeds the hope. This section of Joel's prophecy feeds that there is hope. Without it, Joel's prophecy could bring only despair. This promise of forgiveness should have encouraged the people to repent. This courage of forgiveness, it should have encourage the people 
and it should encourage us to repent. Joel foresaw the invasion from the north by the armies of Assyria and Babylon, typified by the locusts, as I said, just a couple of months ago. Overseas, they experienced swarms and swarms of locusts. Joel contrasts the fear of God's judgment with the joy of God's intervention. On the day of the Lord, sin will bring judgment. You're wondering why some things happening to some people? Sin will bring judgment. And only God's forgiveness will bring rejoicing. So what is going to be happening? There's going to be wailing in some streets. And there's going to be joy in the other streets. There was light in Goshen. And there was darkness in Egypt. So we who want to have the rejoicing, we really need to turn to God. We don't want to be when his judgment fall and it is falling. And only God's forgiveness will bring rejoicing. Unless you repent, your sin will result, will result in punishment. I will repeat that. Unless you repent, Repent means to turn to, to the Lord Jesus, to change from the way that you've been going, which was evil, and turn and do what is right in the sight of God. Your sin will result in punishment. Let God intervene in your life. Please let God intervene in your life. It, it, this, is, this is a cry from my belly. Yesterday I told somebody, I said, my stomach feel like someone took a rake and rake it up. Because I'm in travail. It, 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 it is a heaviness. Then you will be able to rejoice in that day because you will have nothing to fear. Before, there were fasting, plagues, and funerals. Then there will be feasting. I'll repeat. Before, there were fasting plagues and funerals then there will be feasting harvesting and songs of praise we can't we live in, in in the bahamas i believe we stop counting the people who died of this plague and they're not even telling us how many because we'll be too fearful to go outside if you really don't have that relationship with God he will give you peace when God rules his restoration will be complete in the meantime we must remember that God does not promise that all his followers will be prosperous now when God pardons he restores our relationship with him but this does not guarantee individual wealth instead God promises to meet the deepest needs of those who love him by loving us, forgiving us, giving us purpose in life, and giving us a caring Christian community. Verse 26 and 27 says, You will have plenty to eat until you are full, and you will praise the name of the Lord your God who has worked wonders for you. Then you will know that I am in Israel 
that I am the Lord your God, and there is no other. Never again will my people be shamed. If the Jews would never again experience a disaster like this locust plague, never again will my people be ashamed. How do we explain the captivity in Babylon? The Jews' slavery under the Greeks and Romans and their persecution under Hitler? It is important not to take these verses out of context. This is still part of the blessings section of Joel's prophecy. Only if the people truly repented would they avoid a disaster like the one Joel had described. God's blessings are promised only to those who sincerely and consistently follow him. God does promise that after the final day of judgment, his people will never again experience this kind of disaster. I'm going to go on to the day of the Lord. Joel chapter 2, verse 28 to 32. Joel speaks about the day of the Lord. Peter quoted this passage in Acts chapters 2, verse 16 to 21. He spoke about the outpouring of the Spirit. I'll find that. Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, blessed be the name of the Lord. Acts chapter 2, verse 16 to 21. Acts chapter 2, verse 16 to 21 declares, No. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Peter was addressing the crowd. In the last days, God says, I will pour my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The outpouring of the Spirit predicted by Joel occurred on Pentecost. While in the past, God's Spirit seemed available to kings, prophets, and judges, Joel envisioned a time when the Spirit would be available to every believer. Thank you, Jesus. Ezekiel also spoke of an outpouring of the Spirit. That's Ezekiel chapter 39, verse 28. Ezekiel 29. Ezekiel chapter... Let me get it right. No, 
It's Ezekiel chapter 39, verse 28. Says, Ezekiel 39, help me Lord, verse 28 says, Then they will know that I am the Lord their God, for though I sent them into exile among the nations, I will gather them to their own land, not leaving any behind. What a merciful God. What a merciful God. God's Spirit is available now to anyone who calls on the Lord. Anyone. Verse 31 to 32 says, The day of the Lord is used here as God's appointed time to judge the nations. Truly, truly, all over the world, God is judging the nations. You don't have to call it judging. I call it judging. Because he's humbling the people. He's causing them to cry unto him. The day of the Lord is used here as God's appointed time to judge the nations. Joel chapter 1 verse 15 says, Joel chapter 1 verse 15, I'll go there. Verse 15, it says, Alas, for that day, for the day of the Lord is near. It will come like destruction from the Almighty. If you have eyes to see, you will see what I'm talking about. It's all over the world. The day of the Lord is a common phrase in the Old Testament and in the book of Joel. It always refers to some extraordinary happening, whether a present event like locust plague, an event in the near future, like the destruction of Jerusalem, or the defeat of enemy nations, or the final period of history when God will defeat all the forces of evil. When we looked overseas and we see all the fires in California, they've not experienced anything like that in their lifetime. Even when the day of the Lord refers to a present event, it also foreshadows the final day of the Lord. This final event of history has two aspects of it. The last judgment on all evil and sin and the final reward for faithful believers. Righteousness and truth will prevail, but not before much suffering. If you trust the Lord, looking toward this final day should give you hope because then all who are faithful will be united forever with God. Without God, destruction is sure. Those who have not personally accepted God's love and forgiveness will stand before him with no appeal. 
be sure to call on God's love and mercy while you have the opportunity. Because we do have the opportunity. But now we need to call on him. Verse 30. These wonders would give a hint or a picture of a coming event. The wonders that is happening now all over the world. Floods here, earthquakes here, fire there. The day of the Lord is used here as God's appointed time to judge the nations. Judgment and mercy go hand in hand. Joel had said that if the people repented, the Lord would save them from judgment. In this day of judgment and catastrophe, catastrophe, yes, much catastrophe. I don't know if I want to say what I what I see happening in this nation, but some things I'll keep to myself, but one thing I will say, hope. Hope thou in God. Keep your hope up. Keep your praise up. Keep your worship up. Be focused. Stay in the word. Believe God. Stay on that, stay on that narrow way. He promised never to leave us or forsake us. But you don't leave him. Because if you pull away from him, then where is your hope? Hope thou in God. Judgment and mercy go hand in hand. Joel had said that if the people repented, the Lord would save them from judgment. In this, when I said that just now, I just saw, I just saw where, um, In Sodom, Lot's wife, her mind was unrepented. So when judgment fell, it fell on her. In this day of judgment and catastrophe, therefore, some will be saved. You see that scenario there? Lot and his children were saved. Lot's wife was not saved. In this day of judgment and catastrophe, therefore, some will be saved. God's intention is not to destroy, but to heal and to save. I want to say that again. God's intention is not to destroy, but to heal and to save. However, we must accept his salvation or we will certainly perish with the unrepentant. He doesn't want us to go to hell. His intention is not to destroy us, but to heal us and to save us. However, we must accept his salvation or we'll certainly perish with the unrepentant. And Father, I just thank you for your word this morning. And Lord, thank you for being the God in the valley as well as the mountain. And Father, I ask that you cover your people with your grace and your mercy this morning, today, 
and always. You said you would keep us in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Help us to keep our mind on you in the name of Jesus. So the blessings of the Lord be upon you today. And in that valley of decision, please don't stay there, but make the decision to do what is right, to serve God in spirit and in truth and in the very beauty of holiness. I love you and God bless you. Have a blessed day.